1: There's no place to escape to. This is the last oh, spot. Yes. On the left. <laughs> right your That's when the cannibalism started.
2: Body. hey there, friend? I'm proper chuffed to show you my new motorbike. <laughs> you know, take a look at how you like it. This is a Yorkshire. That's Accent. York. That's Yorkshire. It's proper yeah. chuffed. That's a, that's pretty good. That's a proper chuffed. Check out my motorbike. Here. Proper chuffed, <laughs> and I'll tell you with no noise about having a bit of a motorbike. Let's see, I'll see something super manly I can do with it. I bet you, you think I can't do something super manly? I don't know. With I mean, my motorbike? You probably could. I'm becoming Australian. <laughs> God damn it. I gotta hold this together. I gotta see if I can get this together once before we even begin the episode. Okay, Yorkshire. Yorkshire. Take a look at my motorbike. God. Take a look at my motorbike. That's the <laughs> sentence that you want to practice with? Take a look at my motorbike. I can do the most masculine thing with it. You can even imagine. Um, just drape my, drape my wing-a-wing over the seat. Is that good? That's really good. (laughs) Welcome to the last podcast on the left,
0: everyone. I am Ben, staring at the face of Marcus Parks. Hello. Uh, New York Times bestselling author. uh, (laughs) Slugger in the tummy. Yes, yes. Can you feel the power? Yes. We did it! We beat Glenn back! We did! No we, one said it wasn't
1: possible, but we said sure we can. We beat his bulk <laughs> by an ass. Yeah, we did. And then <laughs> yeah, of course we, we got did.
0: we got Henry Zabrowski, who you know, this episode, man, everyone's like, why is he working on the Yorkshire accent? Is that right? <laughs> you is, can't
1: even say Yorkshire. Is it
0: Yorkshire? Is he
2: Yorkshire? <laughs> it's Yorkshire. It's Yorkshire. Yorkshire. <laughs> I've got a bit of a salamander down in my pocket uh isn't it no isn't it nice i ha i think it goes from mrs doubtfire to uh-huh. chimney sweep and i have no control anywhere <laughs> yeah. in the middle of it did you take like the pedophiles
0: linguistic class <laughs> to like what are these sentences you, you're talking about a
2: bicycle and then you have a salamander in your pocket i've got a salamander in my pocket do you want to buy a nickel to take a look at it that's your penis sir Yes, no, and there goes the crime. There shites the crime.
0: <laughs> all right, so today's episode, this will be a two-parter, but the first part of the Yorkshire Ripper. Yorkshire- it, right? No,
1: not Just- Yorkshire, it's y- Yorkshire. We won Yorkshire. a war, so I don't have to say this right. <laughs> <laughs> that is all. The Yorkshire, the Yorkshire Ripper. <laughs> Peter Sutcliffe, a.k.a. the Yorkshire Ripper, was an English serial killer who murdered 13 women and tried to murder seven others, mostly in West Yorkshire between 1975 and 1980.
2: Hmm. But why do I imagine Yorkshire as a place where, like like Hobbiton, like it's got little <laughs> cute right. houses and people make their own milk bread and people, they they torn their culpits with a bit of a swigger. I don't know what that means. You know what I mean? Like, I assume it's a lot of people, like, fishing with with sticks, with just pieces of rope on them.
0: Yeah, I sort of have a Disney fantasy when I hear Yorkshire. It's kind of nice. I mean, I, I'm not picturing, like, the best food, but I'm picturing a lot of it in the windows. <laughs> We've
1: driven through it.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. What was it
1: like? <laughs> Tell us, Daddy, (laughs) what was it like? It was very uh, pastoral. It's a beautiful uh, area of England outside of the cities. The cities themselves, though, uh, not quite so beautiful. Very urban, a lot of grit, very industrial. Cool. Is it just because... They ran out
2: of magic?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, for the most part, Sutcliffe's victims were casual sex workers. And true to form, it wasn't until Sutcliffe killed someone outside of the sex work business that the investigation went from a tabloid screamer to one of the biggest manhunts England ever saw.
0: When you say casual sex worker, I just picture them all dressed like Best Buy employees. <laughs> just like, it's, like, it's a nice casual khaki with a nice, not-too-flashy red top.
2: We are seeing the rise of the casual sex worker with OnlyFans. That's what it is now.
1: <laughs> well, Peter's method of murder was multiple hammer blows to the head, oh. followed by the mutilation of the victim's body. And while he was not quite as intricate as Saucy Jack... These mutilations were still brutal enough to earn the Ripper label.
2: I'd say that his MO was one of the more idiosyncratic types of of killing styles yeah. of any serial killer that I have read about in the past. Where besides Richard Chase, who's just the, he was just the fucking the Ralph Lauren of putting a baby in a blender. He really came up with that <laughs> dream. I don't know how he
1: Steve Jobs that. Not to say, are you describing Richard Chase as? idiosyncratic
2: i would say that right (laughs) he is very particular
0: well so this is kind of interesting so he would bludgeon them with a hammer which is not exactly taking a scalpel (laughs) no um but then he would do the dismemberment so is is, was he sort of like is that sort of like a, a hodgepodge of different styles for lack of a better term of killing
1: well we'll definitely get into peter Sutcliffe's mo and exactly what it means okay Further linking him to Jack the Ripper was Sutcliffe's habit of arranging the dead bodies of his victims to achieve maximum revulsion on the part of those who found them, mm-hmm. as if finding a dead body wasn't bad enough. He would put
0: a New England Patriots jersey on them. <laughs> Kissel, sports are canceled. right? And so
2: we, you are, need to talk about in very specific other terms. It's, uh, it's like he was wearing a... oh comic-con is also canceled
0: (laughs) fuck! we have nothing but you know what's not canceled dune
2: which i'm gonna start reading soon yeah it's like wearing a harkonnen family shroud ah of course a
1: natural reference we all get but despite the extra time spent with each body it still took uk police five years to catch peter sutcliffe owing mostly to the fact that the Yorkshire Ripper case is quite possibly the most bungled serial killer investigation of all time.
0: Worse than the Hot Dog Squad? Much worse. Really?
1: The, hot oh, dog, yeah, buddy. the Hot Dog Squad, at least, like they were trying. They did okay. The Hot Dog Squad wasn't as bad as all that. Hot Dog Squad, of course, being the people who investigated the BTK murder, yes. murder that was a failure of the people up top. The Yorkshire Ripper case was a failure all the way through.
0: They named themselves yeah. after ballpark condiments.
2: It truly <laughs> was from the balls up. They really, it's just, in a, in a fun, stiff upper lip way, they cocked this up mm. so hard, it might as well have been fucking Meghan Markle. How about that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of names, just to give you an idea. Yeah, speaking of names. No, seriously, this is this absolutely works. Speaking of names, just to give you an idea of what the investigators thought, even of themselves, one of the task forces assigned to stop the murders called themselves the Special Homicide Investigation Team, which, in acronym form was known as the Shit Squad.
2: They call themselves the Shit Squad. (laughs) and um, Because, you know, their big thing was, we ain't coming to work if we ain't got a bucket of beans waiting for us. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So they were chock full of beans, but not chock full of police training.
0: (laughs) Uh, Hey, Larry, we got to get out of this bank, man. I think the shit squad is coming.
2: (laughs) I think they're going to be on to us. we got to get out of here quick. Hey there, Constable Harrison. Stop (laughs) fighting so audibly. I'm sorry, Magistrate (laughs) (laughs) Liverpool. I forgot me cock. (laughs) No, your cock is attached to your foot. (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm talking about the coke that goes inside me butt. <laughs> oh, you mean coke.
0: <laughs> <laughs> New York Times bestselling author, um, <laughs> technically all three of us. Amazing.
1: Peter Sutcliffe himself was interviewed no less than nine times over the course of the five-year-long investigation. Mm. But for a number of reasons we'll get into, Sutcliffe was not taken seriously as a suspect until he was caught red-handed. Hmm. Partly, that's because Peter Sutcliffe was nothing special, at least at first glance. As far as the police were concerned, Sutcliffe just really loved paying for sex, (laughs) but was otherwise just another unhappily married, working-class Yorkshireman.
2: But we found out he felt the exact opposite about paying for sex. He actually didn't like it at all. Oh, what do you mean, Aw, that's well, sad when people do things they don't like. <laughs> no, that's why he did what he did, Kissel. No, it's not a disappointing thing. It's not, it not like... It was a little Have dis- you looked at a picture of Peter Sutcliffe? I have seen him, yes. His hair alone should have attracted any woman that he wanted. Who, who else could possibly turn themselves into an Italian Gumby? <laughs> he looks like if Danny Zuko played yeah. Eraserhead. Women should have been flocking to him just to see how crispy the square was on the top of his head. Well, but I don't think it was about him.
0: that. I don't think it was about that. It was about the experience. He didn't want to feel like he was cheating on his wife. He thought pain was uh, better than having an affair.
1: You're the opposite. You're completely incorrect. Yeah. You're completely incorrect. You are, I don't oh, you, know. It is, uh, the truth is op- opposite. Opposite. It well, is opposite.
0: What does that even mean anymore? What does that even mean anymore? Nowadays, I see people are eating pizza from the crust uh, first, which I thought was pretty crazy.
2: That fucking idea started with Pizza Hut, and we've never been the same ever since. You mean to tell them we're going to break some of the few precious rules we have as a fucking society? Let's continue. I'm sorry. I actually agree.
1: But underneath... Peter Sutcliffe was one of the most calculating savage murderers in UK history, a pitiful beast who killed 13 women merely because it made him feel better about himself. Or, to put it in Yorkshire terms, he was a reet manky buck.
0: Right. He just got us canceled. I don't know where we're canceled, but somewhere we just got canceled.
2: I tell you what, you got it, it right now. It's a hard time to go into the hospital for real ma- for Reed Mankey Burke. But if, <laughs> if, if I'm saying if you're showing signs for Reet Mankey Burke right now, call the hotline, call one eight hundred fuck toe, because it means your t- your toes become horny. Oh I don't my. know, man.
0: Well, that explains all the holes in my shoes. <laughs>
1: Perhaps what's most interesting about Peter Sutcliffe, though, is that his story, from how he chose his victims, to his method of murder, to how he arranged the corpses, suggests that maybe the infamous Jack the Ripper of 1888 was just some guy. There was no conspiracies, there was no fucking Freemasons, no nothing. It could be that Jack the Ripper was just some dude, because Peter Sutcliffe was just some dude.
2: Or would you say that way, the same way as the carrot, that, that fucking pig with the talking spider was? just some pig <laughs> yeah
0: exactly it actually had a talking spider for a friend who could write that's charlotte's web
2: mm. yeah mm. Mm. oh yeah <laughs> well jack the ripper was uh, you know my my contention is that he was three some guys mm-hmm. um and then what he it's the worst thing is that i can't believe that the way that peter Sucliffe was eventually was discovered was actually just the, the cream of just some guy
1: <laughs> Which is a very delicate Asian dish, now and I can't believe. <laughs> now that's New York Times best selling writing right there.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, honestly, these are evergreen episodes that will live forever. But isolation
1: has ruined us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but before we get into the story, let's acknowledge our sources. Today we have "Wicked Beyond Belief" by Michael Bilton, and "Somebody's Husband, Somebody's Son" by Gordon Byrne. For all the investigation and nasty details, go to Wicked Beyond Belief. But if you're more interested in the story of Peter Sutcliffe himself, and if you really want to go full Yorkshire, your best bet is somebody's husband, somebody's son.
2: Also, if you really want to go full Yorkshire, you rent a hotel room and you watch a sheep fuck your wife. (laughs) (laughs) We
1: fought a war for that. (laughs) So without further ado... Let's get into the story of Peter Sutcliffe, aka the Yorkshire Ripper.
0: So much cooler than Peter Sutcliffe. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it York is Shire unfortunately.
2: Rip- it's one of the one of the better serial killer nicknames in history. Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. Peter was born to John and Kathleen Sutcliffe on June 2nd, 1946, in Bingley, which, according to Yorkshire Man Neil, who helps us out with a lot of research, mm-hmm. Bingley is a town within the city of Bradford. They gave you a short sum up of Bradford. In the Industrial Revolution, Bradford was known as the wool capital of the world. Um, Absolutely fascinating.
0: <laughs> I, uh, I did not know that.
2: So it's also the capital of the world for itchy thighs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is a funny joke you've told here at this pub. Uh, did you know that right over there, they used to make... The wool.
2: (laughs) Wow. You're my very best friend. And I'm going to (laughs) have gay sex with you tonight.
0: (laughs) That's a whole different kind of wool we'll be rubbing. It's our (laughs) butthole. Yes.
1: By the 70s, though, when Peter Sutcliffe was active, Bradford was and still is known for urban grit combined with a strange countryside influence. Hmm. Essentially, from what I've been told... Yorkshire where Bradford is located Yorkshire is pretty much the Texas of England
2: okay from what I'm looking at I'm looking at Google pictures of West Yorkshire and it looks lovely it looks really lovely you've got little castles there where I guess their, I their king lives their duke must live there and then I see another kind of castle looking thing and I guess their archduke must live there and this must be the prince's quarters which is actually right next to a Jersey Mike's huh. Huh. okay
1: Now, there really isn't a whole lot said about Peter Sutcliffe's mother in either of the books we read, but Peter's siblings described John Sutcliffe as a terrifying man with a hair-trigger temper who doled out beatings when he got drunk. But he was also known for being great at both football and cricket... He was a local actor, he loved ballroom dancing, oh. and he was a soloist in the Bingley Male Voice Choir, while also having a healthy appetite for pig entrails. He
2: loved pig entrails. Really? That, that, that's
1: the main thing that they the first thing that they said
2: about his personality in somebody's husband, somebody's son, where they're like, it's trotters." <laughs> he eats the Wiggles. He eats the Gumples. He eats the Crickanicks, and you're like, "What's the Crickanicks?" And it's like, "That's the tip of the bowl." I'm like, really? <laughs> oh, great, he eats all that. That's great. That's the first thing you hear about somebody, which I get because I'm a trafe person. Yeah, but if it's the first thing you hear is that this is my buddy Dave, he fucking loves organ meat. You're like, cool, cool. Yeah, the the things you
0: eat should never be a personality trait. Oh no, that's a. little He also dangerous. played
2: um. In the Yorkshire Men's Choir, uh, he also played the... he did the, the creepy door noises for the Halloween albums each year. <laughs> How much do you owe FSU for their theater program again? <laughs> I, I think I still owe them money.
1: <laughs> now, John was a healthy man all his life until his son Peter was born. When Peter was born, John started wasting away almost as if the new baby was feeding upon his life force Hmm. in just eight months John Sutcliffe went from almost 200 pounds to just a little over 130 and Peter wasn't John's first child either but if baby Peter was sucking away his father's life energy the infant wasn't showing it
0: Peter. Well, was, I mean, baby. Peter was not sucking away his father's <laughs> life energy. That is not. Yeah, I one. mean,
2: the children do not have the ability to
0: do that. Maybe his dad was more tired. <laughs> I have seen a baby. some
2: people. There's some people that are super happy with raising their kids, and those people are Gwyneth Paltrow with a team. Yeah. she has a team of people. She's like, I love just having so much time at home with my kids right now, and then she never sees them. No. She's stretching her vagina in the background with her fucking, you know, with some guy she met from Thailand. He's wearing a face mask, and the kids are being watched by a group of women from Guatemala.
0: Oh, very possible. Very possible.
1: Well, Peter was always a weak and weedy child with baffling habits, always blankly scooting around the house on his ass with one leg sticking out front. And the other, dragon behind. He's playing semi-truck.
2: <laughs> I lock like how I on my bows when I do my friction splits.
1: You're draining my life force. <laughs> Peter was so weak that his father bought him a pair of reinforced leather boots so Peter could walk without breaking his own ankles.
0: I had to go to the children's kink store to get these.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and when Peter did walk, he'd usually do it while clutching his mother's skirt.
2: I don't like standing up. I like my noodle ankles being on the ground. I don't like going to school. And I don't like going to keep me cut. I like me mommy. Just
0: cut to his father putting his own name on a bullet. putting it into a gun. Just be like, one
1: day. One day, little bullet. Well, because of this weakness, when Peter was eventually sent to school, he was mercilessly mocked for his skinny, underdeveloped legs.
2: Me mom says it's me magic
1: shoes. (laughs) (laughs) But Peter didn't react to the mocking at all, and was so passive that none of his teachers, nor any of his priests, could put a face to the name after Peter Sutcliffe was arrested as the Yorkshire Ripper. I guess
0: if you're going to be a serial killer... It's not a bad trait to not be remembered at all. It's not like he was trying to be the prime minister or whatever (laughs) they have in Yorkshire. But, I mean, if you're going to be a serial killer, being being invisible ain't that bad.
1: It ain't. Yeah. Although you might think that Peter would be a gigantic disappointment to his footballer father, John actually believed his son to be extremely bright, despite Peter's grades being only average. This belief actually showed John's intelligence— because John reasoned that Peter must be bright because he spent all his time in the library.
2: Yeah, he's just going to be reading all day. He goes, hey, He's reading, that's what nerds do. He's got skinny legs, so he's got to go in there with his books and he hangs out with his books. But you can do a lot of things in a library. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm wondering, like, was he just
0: taking two wooden blocks and jamming them up to his ears? Be like, it's like headphones. So
2: it's like, no.
1: No. Just sitting there and staring in the distance.
2: That's all he would do.
1: He just went to the library so he wouldn't have to go outside.
2: I don't like going outside. I like the pleasure of the books, but I don't like reading them. I like looking at them. And I don't like my library card because I don't like things in a square.
1: (laughs) And according to his sister, sometimes he just sit in the kitchen and just stare off into space for hours without moving or getting restless.
0: Uh, I mean it's not easy draining your father's life force you have to focus on doing it
2: you just think that he would be getting bigger and stronger each month he went draining a life force out of his father but it was just he was just wasting all that energy Weird. God knows what he was doing yeah
1: well at home his particular fortress of solitude was the bathroom where he'd shut himself away for hours on end but He wasn't doing what most boys do when they lock themselves in the bathroom all afternoon. Uh Uh-oh.
2: Yeah, writing my manifesto. I'm going to take over the school. (laughs) Oh, is that right?
1: See, his brother Mick... Got curious as to what Peter was doing in the bathroom day and night. Oh, tell me he put a
0: camera in there. <laughs> That'll be great. That's a real curious brother.
1: <laughs> uh, he'd secretly watch him through the window. Okay, uh,
0: who is crazy here? <laughs> who is crazy? All Peter's self- at this point, all Peter's doing is hanging out in the library to not get bullied and trying to go to the bathroom to avoid his family. And his brother is peeping like it's the movie Porky's.
2: <laughs> I just I don't want to know. I don't no. want to know. Jackie lived with me for a year. Can you imagine? <laughs> like this, like recently, the you, idea of- You ugh, did do that. You like made that happen. Like wondering what's even- ugh, What <laughs> she's doing in that room alone?
0: <laughs> ugh. You just you just, you just just see pants go cool around her ankles and then just pounds of bush hair. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> like. You fucking nailed her man <laughs> <laughs> Fucking got
0: her dude I'm sorry Jackie I'm just <laughs> I just wanna I just wanna laugh
1: I just wanna laugh Well surprisingly Peter was doing Nothing more sinister Than spending hours Meticulously shaping His own hair Cutting the strands Millimeters at a time
2: This little hmm. kid Was born With a full on Mr. Cotter like pile of, of droops. That is the only way I can really put his haircut. He mm. came out looking like he had stuck his finger in a fucking outlet. <laughs> his hair stood straight up. And he, as a kid, he ever understood like, this is my thing. Yeah. And so he clipped clip it and clip it and clip it and clip it excessively, to so it became this very strange shape. If you look at it, if you look up Peter Sutcliffe, I think that's, to, you know, you see him looking like a Greek landlord vampire. Yeah, <laughs> honestly. Immediately. And he was like that since he was a kid. He's been walking around like
1: that since he was fucking nine years old. He's got big hair confidence. Mm-hmm. Not 15, Peter began his first of many English blue-collar jobs when he gained employment as an apprentice fitter at an engineering works in Bingley. All anyone at the job remembered, Mm. though, was that Peter was just some weird dickhead who usually wore the look of a frightened animal.
2: Wait a second, is this some kind of pipe? Is that a pipe that you got there? (laughs) (laughs) I don't like the shape. I don't like the shape. What is that? Is that a... That's a... a shovel oh <laughs> I don't like it I don't like the shape of it I and be- I don't like I don't like anything I don't like water either I'm oh, oh. are you Aww. ghost?
0: He's like Jason Voorhees, and I am not going to stay here and come to the defense of Peter Sutcliffe. Um, but you're about to. Now, what <laughs> I'm saying is, all, so far, everyone's like, he wasn't noticeable. What do you want him to? It's a pipe fitting job. Do you want him to show up with a little twirly hat on and just be like, <laughs> no, hey guys, you it's time able- to make the
2: jokes. It's like, no, do your freaking job. <laughs> you're going to find out why he just didn't exactly fit in. Okay. Yeah. All right.
1: Bye-bye, 18. Peter began to come out of his shell when he discovered what should have been his first and only penis replacement. Peter... What? Uh, What? (laughs) Peter became obsessed with motorbikes and cars, and he'd hold on to this obsession for the rest of his life. He's one of those
2: guys that somehow, even though he doesn't make any money, he's always got like a cool car, like a quote unquote cool car. He's got right, like right. a stepdad car. Mm-hmm. He's kind of got like my car, where women don't notice you, but other ugly dudes give you winks <laughs> and like give you high fives and thumbs up yeah. as you drive along the street, as you listen to Howard Stern just like going 75 miles per hour in a 30. Where he is, he is like that. Where I'm certain that if Def Leppard could have gotten to him, and if I think that maybe he would have found a whole new. A whole new lease on life. Yeah, okay, so he's a cool guy. He's a cool He's a cool stepdad. <laughs> he's got the Trans Am,
0: hip dude.
2: As he gets older, he reminds me very much of um, Buck and I'm Here to Fuck from uh, Kill Bill. Yeah.
1: Uh. yeah. So in 1964, Peter briefly moved out of the industrial sector and got hired at Bingley Cemetery as a gravedigger. Hmm. So fast,
2: immediately into a serial killer profession. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> Now possessing just the slightest bit of confidence, Peter, for the first time, made a strong impression on the people around him, although the impression was almost universally bad. One coworker named Billy Moore recalled that one day early in Peter's tenure at the graveyard, Peter was digging a grave near a wall the cemetery shared with a local grammar school. Hmm,
0: that's a horrifying place for a school. That's
1: how England is. Man, yeah, I, I yeah. went to a lot of cemeteries out in England. There's, They just plop them down in the middle of fucking any old place.
2: Always remember, kids, you're going to work until you end up in one of these. <laughs> Have a good day in school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It
1: would be hard to
0: focus on the studies when you realize it's all for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're just dead.
1: Now, I think Peter was either replacing one body with another or stacking coffins in the same plot, but it's hard to tell from the transcription of Billy Moore's account because Yorkshire slang is fucking impossible to decipher. Let me just give you an example okay. of, of Yorkshire slang. All right, I'll try to figure it out. Hey, by gummy we was brunging about with his chutty, faffing with some push on, so I says to say him up and skiff down to the pub for a snake lifter. But he just lets a caddy guff and puts wood dough, so I'll his keck and fettle the gainous gaffy.
0: I don't need any decaf. Um,
2: <laughs> I'm actually good. I'll just take a regular coffee. Uh, no, I have no idea what that was. I, you know what, though? If you have about seven Guinnesses. You automatically understand what that is. That's what Kissel and I sounded like in Dublin.
0: <laughs> that is very true.
1: But at any rate, Billy Moore said that Peter was trying to find the coffin lid already in the grave with his shovel.
2: All right. <laughs> it involves a lot of that noise.
1: Uh-huh. But he discovered that the top of the coffin had fallen in. Billy heard a yelp from across the graveyard and ran to find Peter standing there with the skull on his spade, shaking.
2: Look at this crazy meatball I found! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's
0: art when Shakespeare does it in the park, but all of a sudden I'm a grave robber who has like a skull in my hand, not an actor. I think he could have been a thespian.
1: From what Billy said, though, nobody really knew for sure what Peter was ever thinking. They just knew they didn't like him. He said Peter's face almost never dropped a sneer of superiority. He always had this fucking little half smile that infuriated everyone. Mm.
2: Yeah, I dig graves. I also dig motorbikes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you're a pretty cool guy, huh? That's pretty cool.
2: Yeah, that's what I say. Yeah. I'm a pretty good guy.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they uh, used to make a lot of wool around here.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, really?
0: Yeah. Right yep. here? Right here, yep. They we're
2: made like a lot of wool.
0: A lot of wool. <laughs> and you know where that
2: comes from. That is. I think I do know where that comes from. <laughs> yeah. Comes from sheep. Sheep. Yeah. Yep. Pretty cool guy. Really? All. We're best friends now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, Peter was also disliked because of his modesty. See, most gravediggers, they just piss right on the headstones. But the dainty Peter Sutcliffe would always run off to the bushes when he needed to relieve himself. Because that's
2: very polite to do. Because why are they pissing on the headstones? <laughs> They're literally like, Hey he goes, thinking he's better than us, <laughs> thinking he's some kind of king of society. We piss right here where the where the dead are interred." does he fucking just. Piss all over these very expensive dudes out. Just all over the bodies, just laughing at each other, man. You so you got to Okay, laugh I'm more.
0: starting to think that maybe the problem is the society that's here that he's around. He wasn't desecrating the tombstones, so they're like, he's a little strange. What are you
2: talking about? I will say they didn't go on to kill thirteen prostitutes.
1: Only uh, he
0: did. Yeah, so yeah that, that's true. That's true. That's a good point.
1: But the only person who was friendly with Peter was Old Eddie Bishop. But mm-hmm. that ended after Peter whacked him on the head with a mallet as Eddie was boarding up a coffin. And it's funny, that same sort of thing also happened with John Wayne Gacy. Hmm. One day, he John Wayne Gacy uh, was with one of his employees in uh, his garage and just hit him in the fucking head with a hammer.
2: So this was super impulsive
1: very impulsive he
2: just and then he laughed it off like it was a joke he did this like bit where he was like eh, what if i want to hit you on the head with one of these and then he's just like well oh, peter stop it it's it's him and, right. stop it there. and, like, and then he says like and then just hit him a little too hard
1: yeah for it okay. to be a joke yeah
0: i, I feel you all
1: right yeah. yeah and then he had this fucking awful laugh
2: <laughs> and the problem is that I can't go into Israel Keys territory, but he definitely had like one of those <laughs> like full on and he loved he loved to laugh.
1: He loved to laugh. He did, huh? Yeah. They okay. said it was high pitched and he would only laugh through his nose.
2: Like <laughs> <laughs> I need a leaf. I need a leaf <laughs>
1: Oh my goodness. Like the
0: Nazenex man.
1: Yeah. But this wasn't Peter's only job in the death industry. He split his time between the graveyard and the local morgue, where he'd boost loot off bodies and offer the jewelry to his sister. And when she recalled at the thought of where the jewelry came from, he'd give that same annoying nasal laugh.
2: <laughs> you don't
1: like... You don't
2: like free jewelry, eh? Because that's what they used to talk about. He used to say being like, all these all these fucking idiots going to this store, getting their fucking jewelry. We will go right here. It's, it's the fucking easiest job in the world. They're right there. They're dead and they leave their jewelry on their fat fucking dead fingers. And he's like right. saying this to his friends very casually again and again, just how how, how fucking lucky he was that he had this <laughs> endless supply of free jewelry. And, you oh. know, mostly they, they shook it off with the laugh. Because it was a working class society. So, I mean, again, I think people do, they, they would take things with a gallows sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Of course. I mean, the only other conversation, serious. the only other
0: topic of conversation is wool. <laughs> so you're telling me this guy's coming in here with some new bling and he got it off a corpse? Yeah. I'm here to hear the story. <laughs> I want to listen
2: to that tale. Because if I hear about wool one more fucking time. That is what you, that is why you are true. Very, you are a bar patron to your soul where your job is to collect all of these various stories yep. this is how you explain this to whatever it is that your future wife when you have to explain why you're drinking every night which I do all the time <laughs> I say I'm, a, I'm an anthropologist <laughs> I just collect stories
1: now Peter kept both jobs until 1967 but he was not fired for stealing jewelry off corpses or for attacking his fellow workers instead he was thrown off the job because he couldn't show up on time uh, but he oh. said you know me that, that's his whole thing he's like
2: almost one of those guys that just doesn't doesn't show up on time and he acted like that was like normal like that was like a thing that, it, that some people just are and in Los Angeles you see it a lot but I don't see it a lot in working class England
0: in his defense it was corpses that he dealt with <laughs>
2: where are they going if he's people <laughs> yes, exactly. yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. that play, it's like yeah what a. are we Ow. what are we doing here
1: you got to meet up with the other grave diggers. What am I doing? I'm waiting around for 30 minutes for Peter. The first 30 minutes is just them taking dumps on tombstones.
0: <laughs> <laughs> He's expected to do that alone? I don't. Honestly, I don't. Yeah, exactly. honestly, I don't a that's out. a
2: whole nother subculture I don't need to know about. If you're sh- a shitting in graves, is a two man job because you have to have a lookout for <laughs> these fucking narcs You're going to explain that somebody's putting a couple of dookies in the fishbowl.
0: I think it's a three man job because you do need someone to be like. That was a good plop.
2: <laughs> good plop. And then that's always the guy who's holding your hands, because if it's too deep, you gotta have your yeah, yeah, yeah. your, your toes lost. dug into the side soil where the, the the wall of the grave. And then he's holding your hand, so you can really get the shit down in there and pop out. Mm. Why do you,
0: Why do you guys have to hold one, uh, somebody's hands? Well, we lost Steve three years ago. <laughs> um, he was taking a massive liquid shit in the grave. He fell in, and we never got him back. <laughs>
2: Now you can stream the live TV you love for just 40 bucks a month with Sling TV. Get your favorite channels and shows for the best price. If you want live sports, Sling has all the football playoffs and pro and college basketball. Stay up to date with breaking news from around the world with MSNBC, CNN, and Fox News. Sling also has reality, TV, popular entertainment, kid shows, and more. Sling costs almost half as much as other live TV providers, so you can watch more and pay less. Sling is easy. Sign up in minutes, stream at home or on the go on up to three devices, and record up to 50 hours with included DVR space. Get flexible channel lineups that put you in control. Pause, change, or cancel your service at any time. You'll never get locked into a long-term contract. Check out Sling.com for special offers. Sling, the live TV you love for a price you will love.
0: Do you ever meet someone who seems kind of off?
2: Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Thanks Squarespace. With Squarespace, it's easy to create a beautiful website all on your own terms. Don't let anybody tell you what you This ain't your mama's website platform. It is actually. It's actually be very easy for your mother to learn. You don't want to miss Fluid Engine With Squarespace, go head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com/left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website
1: or domain. Squarespace.com. Well, since this was 1967 in the UK, free love was definitely on the table for someone who was even moderately good-looking.
0: I don't know why that's so disgusting. The idea of UK free love just does not like. It, I don't think of Hate and Ashbury. I don't think of like roses or petals were, in your hair.
1: They were hip, man. You've seen Austin Powers? Come on. Yeah, yeah. Some of their their teeth look like
2: parallelograms, and some of them smelled like old sacks of beans but they have the same spirit and we came from them so yeah, yeah
0: that's true
1: yeah. and by 1960s British standards like Peter Sutcliffe was moderately good looking yeah. he's fine that's, uh, one of, the, one of his, the people that he injured
2: uh, one of his attempted victims said a thing about Peter Sutcliffe where it's like he's got them big rooms come here eyes he's handsome and he knows it and then you look at him and you're like Really? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's because also I remember the one story that he had is that he had a leather jacket that he wouldn't take off. Yeah. That no matter what the temperature was, he had this leather jacket, which everyone said made him look like a, like they're like he's a rather he's a regular old Bobby Driscoll. You're like <laughs> I don't I don't know that reference. You're Like oh well then I I here's another one he's a regular old Rupert Donovan. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs>
1: Well, Peter was good friends with a guy named Keith Sugden. Okay. And Peter practically lived at the apartment shared by Keith and his girlfriend. One day, though, Keith said a girl who lived in the building threw herself across their breakfast table naked and offered herself as Peter's Breakfast, 1967 UK free love right there. That
0: is Woo. disgusting.
1: <laughs> well, full oh, English. What do you mean? What's he supposed to... Yeah, the full English?
0: What do you do? I know that at cheesy-ass strip businessman strip clubs, they'll do the sushi. Mm-hmm. But what are you going to do? Fucking beans and toast on the bitch's nipples? <laughs> what are you going to do? What are you eating? European food off of a woman on a table is so disgusting
1: it's sounding. an offer for sex, Ben. It's I didn't sex. mean... Oh, she didn't want, it was that. <laughs> I am thinking, I'm yeah, thinking like, not, where are the beans going to go? Not, I am I actually moron. thinking about food. Oh, she wants to have sex with him. She wanted it. No, breakfast as in like, offer herself as her like, vagina her is vagina the is Her vagina is, yes. Yeah. No. Yeah,
2: you fucking moron. Is this, you've been but a far a, about, you but, been a but far but Isn't away he still hungry?
1: Touch? Isn't he still hungry for breakfast? I, well, that's the problem. She's not fucking like putting the tomato in her fucking asshole. That's like, what I'm <laughs> thinking because I mean, she put herself on the table. That's where food goes. <laughs> no, no, no. It was it was sex. It was sex. But Peter
0: It ain't gonna make you not hungry.
1: <laughs> but Peter, instead of taking her up on the offer, or even just politely declining, he said nothing and only stared at the girl with disgust and something that looked a hell of a lot like hatred.
2: Cause her butt cheeks is in the beans. You would. You are. You have become the prude. I would
1: love to <laughs> yeah. see a couple of butt cheeks covered <laughs> in beans. No, this is strange. You becoming. You become quite prudish.
0: We're at. Let's just say we're at a beautiful steakhouse. We're getting ready. <laughs> we're like, oh, can't wait to eat steak. And all of a sudden, a waitress comes and flails herself on the table and says, "Oh, I'm the food now." It's like,
2: no, you're not. Well, I know that I get food. I know eventually I will receive food. If I wasn't married, I would be like. All
0: right, what are you going (laughs) to do? Is this still
2: coming? Is this a part of the thing or is this extra? (laughs) I
0: don't know. Breakfast is a very important meal. That's all I'm saying.
1: (laughs) Now, this girl had possibly tapped into what can be described as an almost pathological shyness. And of course, there's nothing wrong with being shy. But when Peter's shyness was confronted, he responded with an inner rage that would eventually manifest as something terrible. Now, he could always say hi to a girl. But as soon as the conversation progressed past that, Peter would turn silent and his face would go red, and eventually the girl would just walk away. Despite this though, Peter Sutcliffe still peacocked his appearance.
2: Yeah, he did. He wears some outfits.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is capital O outfits with this man every day. I know for a fact I've lost
0: women because I talked. (laughs) <laughs> so maybe this is a good technique. Just say hello and shut the
2: fuck up. You just shut up. You let them speak. Shut up. That's the idea, right? Let them speak. You pepper a couple of questions. They speak. His thing was, I think, came from a lack of a understanding of women that slowly but surely turned into hatred of women, very very mm. fast. Because for some reason he could not bridge the gap. He would attach himself. I think a lot of people know this. I'm I, like I I have seen this type of relationship a lot in my life of, you know, like you got a single dude guy that has attached himself to another couple where he's sort of living vicariously through this couple. He's kind of, I'm not going to say, it's not like it's not full cuck, right? It's not that type of thing, but he's kind of living vicariously through this other couple and does not understand how to do it himself and begins to also view anything else besides some weird some idea of what a, this a normal relationship is supposed to look at mixed with now the burgeoning free love scene which he cannot handle. Right. So instead of him being able to figure out what is it about me that's bringing out these feelings why why, why am I co-? he is reverting completely into total I call it like a Frankenstein rage. <laughs> I mean <laughs> yeah, mostly it's internally. because of the hair.
0: So there's a difference between being quiet mm-hmm. and listening. He was not
1: listening. No. Not he at all. He was
0: quiet probably trying to figure out how to how to talk.
1: Oh. Yeah. Well, concerning his outfits, Peter Sutcliffe loved black suits with off-white drainpipe pants paired with Cuban heel boots and immaculately styled hair.
2: Oh, yeah. I can't forget that hair, man. That thing was dripping with product. (laughs) But he also wouldn't wash, though. So he would reek. Himself, he was a very dirty man, but his clothes were immaculate for some reason. And it's wild, those big old pants. Yeah. Big, big, big old pants. Kind of kind of a man of the times, though, right?
1: Somewhat a man of the times. But he he was like one of those guys that, like, those dudes that don't wash their asshole because they think it's gay.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait, Got what? to. I don't know any of those dudes, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's one
1: of my favorite moments of the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like me saying hello to myself. I use loofas as well. It's quite pleasant. It <sighs> is. It is. A, it is. Wow. I didn't think about that, but it really is saying hello to yourself first thing in the morning. It is, but but you have to have a separate
2: loofah. That's what I've learned.
1: New York Times best-selling authors
0: talk about wiping their assholes with loofahs.
2: Yeah, because sometimes there's little ornaments left on the loofah that you want to spread to the rest of your hairs.
1: Interesting. (laughs) But just because Peter Sutcliffe's hair was immaculately styled does not mean that it looked good. One acquaintance who found Peter to be an all-around unsettling person said that his hair looked strangely square-shaped like a dense black hedge. To make him even more unsettling, and this also kind of goes into uh, his silent act, Peter would constantly tongue the eighth-inch-wide gap in his front teeth, and his bulbous bloodshot near-black eyes would constantly dart around the room, looking at everything except your face.
2: That became a very, uh, to a point where it almost helped catch him. It became It's such a part of who he is that mm. it's, it's so specific where his eyes would just dart around because it, it seems like in a way he could not fucking tell you a straight fact if he if wanted to. Like he was such like, kind of like a pathological liar mixed with like uh, constantly hiding his true self at all times never being able to be real to be able to connect
0: it, it seems like he might be on the spectrum he may have some kind of i mean because he's mm. kind of a silent i don't know
2: i think he's just a fu- if you mean spectrum of assholes <laughs> yeah, okay no, <laughs> all right. i suppose
1: so peter also kept an immaculately styled beard often trimming the soul patch area and his chin into two triangles that made it look like he was wearing a couple of hairy vaginas touching bottom tip to bottom tip mm-hmm. on his face at all times. <laughs>
2: the way I would use... The, way I, the word I would use for his facial hair was ambitious. <laughs> because it showed a man um, of, a, of a certain discretion that he felt that he needed to create a ravine in his flavor saver. <laughs>
1: that I guess would hold old beer <laughs> i guess now peter wasn't necessarily an outcast surprisingly but he did do the type of shit that gave people pause one night he was at the pub wasted lost in a weird trance when suddenly he grabbed a glass and smashed it on the table sending shards of glass flying across the fucking room no need to do that peter yeah. So, in true British form, someone walked over and poured a pint on his head. (laughs) (laughs) It's the general British action for, you're being a dickhead. Sure. But Peter didn't react in any way whatsoever. Instead he most likely went over to the jukebox and put on the spider and the fly by the Rolling Stones, which he sometimes played several times in a row. He was one of those guys. I
2: know you guys had those in college. A friend that would like do something really outlandish and stupid to get attention. Right. But then act like he didn't do anything, right? So then he walks over and he basically does mm. the, the fucking from uh, dirty work where he's like, street, fatten, man. And then he would just <laughs> go and put it on the fucking jukebox and then just dance. Alone right. by the jukebox, listening to his favorite song over and over and over again, which I guess you just don't get punched for at this point when they when you grow up with somebody. Kind of seems like a Fonzie character in Happy Days if the score was by
0: John Carpenter. <laughs> There's something like I you I can the black see leather that he yeah, yeah I can see that
2: he's trying he's trying to do he's trying to be the guy
0: yeah smash the, yeah, he's your to be the like, guy. I he's the guy.
2: Yeah. And, yeah, but the thing is that he's not the guy. No, he is no. the loser. No, because when you are desperately searching to be the guy,
1: right. you eventually.
2: Um, I think that the frustration of it can sometimes allow uh, bad shit to get in there.
1: Yes, yeah. yes. This is what happens when a serial killer tries to be the guy. Yeah, it's and, just not. And working. the Spider and the Flies. It's a fine Rolling Stones song. It's not one of the best. Well, that's not the problem here, Marcus. <laughs> yeah, man. It's Good lord. It's,
2: it's no start
1: me up. <laughs> I mean, it's the B-side to satisfaction. It, it's, it's okay, but, you know. It is not the problem here, Marcus. <laughs> now, although Peter was, of course, the worst of the Sutcliffs, he wasn't the only one in the family with a violent streak. Put it on my tombstone. The worst <laughs> of the Sutcliffs. His brother, Mick, was arrested for assault, robbery, and grievous bodily harm.
0: Ooh, damn.
1: Grievous Bodily Harm, it's a UK criminal code that essentially translates out to beating the fuck out of somebody as hard as you possibly can. It's the closest you can get to beating someone up without killing them. Cool. But it happens so much in England that they have... A classification for it it's assault like, is pretty much getting into a fight grievous bodily harm is beating someone with the intent to almost kill them it's like
0: what the little brother did in a christmas story when he finally got that fucking asshole to <laughs> red- yeah, <he laughs> but although they did do bad to the redheaded people my people they did make us to be bullies well he even though the redhead
2: deserved had- it when you are mean and have braces that's what you get you get a smash <laughs> in the face
1: now while peter was quote The one who'd half choke on a boiled sweet watching his father perform Oklahoma, end quote. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you better not call me that again. (laughs) Mick was a big, robust, hard lad, Mm. and he was taller than Peter, despite being younger. And the contrast in masculinity was certainly not lost on Peter Sutcliffe. He became kind of focused
2: on Mick. Mick became his, mm. the view of what this fucking, this super uber heterosexual man is. Okay. So I think in a way, kind of like what Richard Ramirez had, he had a family member that he kind of formulated of the, a picture of masculinity. The uncle, like, this right? Is what, yeah. This is how you're supposed to be. You're supposed mm-hmm. to take no shit. You always like slap people in the face and, and you know, like be the guy.
1: Right, right. Yeah. And not all serial killers are all about masculinity, but Peter Sutcliffe. Was definitely about masculinity. Okay, but it was Peter's sister Anne who had what might have been more of an influence on Peter Sutcliffe as a killer. Although that influence was undoubtedly indirect. See, in 1966, Anne married a man named Trevor Stucky and moved to a town called Morcombe.
0: Ah, yes, Morecambe.
2: We have some of
1: the best goop.
2: We have... You know, uh, I tell you what, I'm really sad we moved to Morecambe from Lescombe. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. I'm drowning in it. I am drowning in it. New York Times.
0: Best-selling authors there. Morecambe. You get it if you think
1: about semen. What was important about this concerning Peter was that Morecambe... Was the home of a low rent Madame Tussaud style wax museum called Louis Tussaud's oh. Works. So you named him after his fucking
2: little person cousin, <laughs> <laughs> little Louis. He likes wax too.
0: Uh, this doesn't seem to be made of wax. Is this a? Uh, is this a cum
2: Brad Pitt? <laughs> You know what they say: more come mo mo come mo problems.
1: Oh <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, yeah. And Louis Tussauds was known until its closing in 2014 oh. as the world's worst waxwork. I would <laughs> lo-
0: honestly, I kind of wish I could have gone. I
1: wish I could have yes. gone too. Who
0: did he have? Like, what were the celebs of the time?
1: I mean, that's the thing is that they did have. I mean, up until 2014, I, you can check out online the w- way it looked. Like all the like they had Prince Harry. They had all of the. Big British celebrities. I remember they had Billy, that was like their
2: big one, so they got the new Billy Connolly in. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> alright, that's some
1: stars. Yeah. But as Gordon Byrne put it, All the heads were much too large for the bodies, making them look as if they had an unpleasant stunting disease.
2: They really do. I'm looking at these right now. Gordon Ramsay looks like he's on crystal fucking meth. This is the scariest wax museum I have ever seen. They, oh my God, they made Adolf Hitler black. (laughs) Straight up. He's
1: like tan. No, that's the thing. They made Prince William ugly, and they made Mr. Bean handsome.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying they're wrong.
1: (laughs) However, back in the 60s, the owner soon found that what got the public in the door was not Joseph Stalin in a lady's coat or Princess Margaret in a shitty wig, both of which were exhibits at the fucking wax museum. I would
0: have loved to take edibles and walk around this wax museum.
1: <laughs> love it. <laughs> Dude, tonight, take some, edibles. Wait, take some edibles, wait until they kick in, and then look up Louis Tussaud's wax work. <laughs> I'm going to do a virtual You're gonna tour.
2: <laughs> You're really going to love this. Some of these are very interesting. They, got, they get the Guardian did a whole thing on the world's wax museum in pictures. They Oh, my God. <laughs>
1: Well, what they found was what got the public in the door was blood and guts. Cool. Louis Tussauds had a chamber of horrors displaying Britain's most famous murderers in chicken wire cages. Killers like Dr. Crippen, (gasps) hanged for dismembering his wife, or Reginald Christie, the Halifax necrophile.
2: Yeah, he fucking puts a bookmark in a corpse, and I mean (laughs) his fucking dick. That's
1: crazy. (laughs) But even though there were plenty of graphic scenes like Murder in the Bath, Jack the Ripper, and my favorite Wax Museum horror piece, The Blood Hook. That's classic when it comes to wax museums. What's the blood hook? What is the blood hook? The blood hook is either a woman or a man. can be either one. I've seen both. Uh, Just with a hook through their torso, and they're hanging from Ah, the ceiling on a big fucking hook. Uh, Yeah, most Chamber of horrors and Wax Museums uh, have them. I've seen good ones. I've seen bad ones.
2: That's why you had those hooks for the fucking wedding pictures, which (laughs) I haven't even seen, Marcus. I haven't seen the wedding pictures yet.
1: I'm sending out the wedding pictures next week fuck yeah. yeah all right now i've said it now i gotta do it
0: now you yeah, have you do. it's not like you don't have a little bit more time anyway
1: i have it's the same amou- i have the exact same amount of time as i did before okay <laughs> <laughs> well, what attracted peter sutcliffe the most to louis Toussauds was the museum of anatomy hmm. over the years Sutcliffe would return to the two small dusty rooms tucked into the back of Louis Tussaud's again and again, where the proprietors displayed an exhibition of Victorian waxworks meant to educate the lower classes on the dangers of brazen iniquity.
0: I mean, I don't think the lower classes need uh, any sort of training on STDs.
2: They're <laughs> the ones who have them in Yorkshire they, at the time. Well, at the time, because British, every everywhere you go is this fucking school in British. And yeah. everything has to be some kind of proper set of etiquette and everything, all these fucking rules. So they created their validation of being like, it's educating them. That's why we can do all of these depictions of tits and vaginas and guts and all that kind of stuff. When real life, they were just giving the people... The exactly what they wanted
1: right yeah. right right well, these wax works similar to what can now be found at the house of wax bar inside of uh, brooklyn alamo uh, the awesome brooklyn ass. alamo draft house yeah it's a lot like that
0: a little shocking not gonna lie when you walk in there you're like i'm surprised like i'll have the chicken fingers and then you look <laughs> up and you're like there's a fetus coming out of that
1: woman's fake vagina <laughs> it only makes
2: me hungrier <laughs> very bizarre
1: well in the first room at louis tussauds the different stages of pregnancy were shown through a series of nine headless, legless female torsos. Got to. Heads and the legs fucking honestly are so distracting. From uh, I like just the
2: torso.
0: <laughs> they really were just... What, this is just... It's made to fuck up the human brain.
1: Kind of is, yeah. yeah. But what truly drew Peter Sutcliffe's attention was the second room. In there... Peter found dozens of models of sexual organs in various stages of venereal disease, pus ridden vaginas, Ugh. and penises in gray clouds of pubic hair appearing as so much of yesterday's half eaten sausage.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Do not. I can see you getting erect as you write that sentence. But I tell you I what, you know, bake I... those
2: up, you bake those into a fine cake, right? You have a pus ridden vagina. Uh-huh. That pus, though. A nice coconut cream. <laughs> You've got the vagina meat <laughs> with a nice, so mm, like some kind of oh, what are those? Uh, you know, it's like a velvet cake, a red velvet cake. Ooh, mm. well, now uh, that
0: is that is very tasty. Yeah, that's good.
1: Diseased scrotums were shown in cross section, and one. Pet- Particularly graphic display showed the hand of a doctor reaching into an oozing vagina hmm. to grab a fetus covered in green scabs and running sores. And then they
0: had a thought bubble on the doctor and it said another day another dollar. <laughs> another day another dollar.
2: I actually it was very interesting what an interesting because the in the name of I'll never forget the name of that display, the birth of Baron Trump. <laughs> it's <was> so nice. <laughs> I
0: love that. Beautiful, beautiful. It's like the birth of Jesus Christ himself.
1: Well, speaking of Jesus, at the center of the display was a bust of a woman inspired by pictures of the Virgin Mary suckling the baby Jesus. But in this case, the bust nipples were discolored and encrusted with scabs and the breast was covered in burning sores and hives.
2: It sounds like she wasn't a Virgin Mary. I don't
0: know what happened there. That ain't ain't no way to depict the Virgin
1: Mary. That ain't right. Now, Peter Sutcliffe paid close attention to these displays. And when he later contracted VD multiple times from various ladies of the night. Okay, did he show up with a fucking monocle?
0: (laughs) What do you mean? Like, how
2: was he taking all of this in? And at some point, when you run the wax museum. Yep. Did that. Won't that. Gonna do that one. Gonna do that one. Yeah, he he used it as homework. (laughs) <laughs>
0: yeah. Just the janitor here um, Oh, Mr. Sucklift, I gotta turn the lights off once again Time for you to go
2: home
1: <laughs> He'd go again and again and again and again He loved it there It
2: was his favorite place on earth <laughs> Hey, buddy, how about you go home? Give me the mop yep. Yep. You wanna be the janitor here? You just got fired and I just got hired
1: <laughs> <laughs> But the thing was is that when When Peter started contracting VD, it seemed like he felt almost proud for knowing exactly what he'd contracted. One time, he called up his friend Keith Sugden. He hadn't talked to Keith in two years, Mm -hmm. but he wanted to specifically show Keith his diseased penis because Peter's bell end had gone all white and flaky.
0: That's what I'm saying. He's he's the John Carpenter Fonzie. He's like, look at my, <laughs> look how much pussy I'm getting. Yeah, you it's look like, at all go Yeah, look at that. I'm
2: making my own Parmesan.
0: It's disgusting.
2: <laughs> <laughs> hey, ain't that funny, ain't that nice? <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> God. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it is good that he realized that he had a venereal disease. Yeah,
1: and Sugden just said, like, you need to go to the hospital. Yeah, yeah. But surprisingly, Peter Sutcliffe's obsession with waxworks depicting the worst of Victorian VD did not prevent him from eventually finding a wife no technically that's our fan base <laughs> yes I mean there is a fantastic book called The Sick Rose if you guys want to see some really cool like Victorian yes. uh, like no. medical drawings it really goes into VD like really fucking deep yeah, and the drawings guys, are beautiful yeah
0: if you guys want to see some really cool stuff and then you guys can maybe come over to my place after school
2: <laughs> and I got
0: some Listen, new um, magazines. Um, oh. we're you on
1: the
2: podcast but I don't know if I want to go into your home um, <laughs> because yeah. you seem to be you said you not you haven't gone to the store for two weeks, but you have all this fresh parmesan. Uh,
0: <laughs> hey, Rodney, remember when you said you could come over to my house last weekend, but you said you got too busy, but I got new magazines.
2: You want to come over? It's going to have to be passed for me, dog. <laughs> you, this reminds me of when Marcus and I went to the fucking, what was that in medical, uh, what was the museum we went to in Edinburgh? Uh,
1: the museum, we went with Neil. Neil took us. Uh, I think it's the Museum of Medical Oddities or, nah, not, nothing no, nothing like that. No, it's like the Modern Museum for the... It, it was much um, classier than the mother Let me let me look it up. Before it was I super talk classy. But if you guys want to check out a cool book right now, "The Sick Rose: Disease and the Art of Medical Illustration" by Barnett Richard is a wonderful thing to read.
2: Oh yes, we went to the. Surgeons Hall Museum Surgeon's in Edinburgh, Hall Museum. where we went, and it was just jars and jars and jars and jars of fucked up pussies.
0: You know, <laughs> I Marcus honestly, loved it. If Marcus I Marcus loved it,
2: he really I, loved it. I got sick. I honestly was <laughs> oh feeling my god, very sick.
0: Does it smell like formaldehyde, like the Mutter Museum? Because I went in there hungover after our show in Philly, and that is a
1: ugh. No, it doesn't smell like formaldehyde. Okay. Yeah, afterwards, I went out had a meat pie with Neil. It was great.
0: Yeah, guys. uh, My mom said I could have four friends over tonight, but um, I I told her that. uh, Oh, I.
2: I don't know. I. I have to. uh, I. I'll have to make some hard decisions because I have so many people want to come over. Marcus, we're gonna go home and just watch some just normal comedies. (laughs) Okay, okay, we're gonna watch things that don't involve penises falling apart with disease. All right, Mm -hmm. buddy. It's been great though. Thanks for the education. Thank you for the edutainment.
1: Oh, bye. Yep. Didn't have a whole lot of friends.
2: Yeah,
0: there's not a lot of people in Texas.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Only twenty-eight million. (laughs) <laughs> but anyway, Peter Sutcliffe got married. Oh, oh he did? Well, he found not... a wife, yes. Oh, damn, oh, yeah. okay. Although Sonia Zerma was not, by anyone's definition, a prize catch.
2: Aw, oh, I saw pictures of her. I actually thought she was surprisingly cute from her description. Cute, yes, but with a horrible personality.
0: He's yeah. riddled with VD. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Shy to the point of haughtiness and eternally unamused by the common rabble, Sonia responded to Peter Sutcliffe's shitty attitude toward life almost immediately, and the short, lumpy, Afro-Czechoslovakian fell in love. That's what it takes. Aww. You have Your shittiness has to align with the
2: other person's shittiness. So totally. he met him. The way it seemed to really go down is that he had one of his standard, like, They met up. He silently stared at the table and she just sat next to him. And then afterwards, because she was just supposed to like, she went with like a girlfriend of a friend of his to like hook them up together. And they're all like, well, this was a fucking disaster. And then afterwards she's like, I think I like him <laughs> I mean you know
0: If you can get your VD to line up with another person's VD Then you lock
1: And then you're married forever Well, From what the rest of the Sutcliffe family said Sonia would do nothing all day But literally twiddle her thumbs In silence And when she finally did speak She did so in a high strung whisper That was usually in order to get her a cup of tea
2: I can't name the person that I know that does this. But there is a there is a type of person that I just can't stand. It's a, Maybe it's because I'm so loud. Yeah. And yeah. my family is loud. And so when people do the thing where they go like, can I just have a cup of tea? Like they are specifically like low talking in a way that seems to be a comment on right. how loud I am. You know what I mean? Well,
0: maybe it's one of those strange ironies where to cut, Above the loud Italian Zabrowski family (laughs) You actually
2: have to go underneath To penetrate the ear No we don't trust those people Those people are telling They're whispering fucking secrets
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. When Peter's sister Maureen Had a baby Sonia and Peter paid a visit and while Peter was reportedly good enough with the infant, he was a pretty standard uncle, Sonia mm. dropped it to the ground the moment the baby started crying. Touchdown! <laughs> well, <laughs> yes. So she was not a mother. No, she was definitely not a mother. But at the very least, like plenty of people who aren't parents don't instinctively drop a baby the moment it starts crying.
2: I mean, no. I mean, mm. sometimes you, you toss it. <laughs> I think you well you can't shake it You we just know go, that get, get, get it out get away uh, from me get, it get this from. out of here get this fucking away from me yeah
1: <laughs> and from what Mick Sutcliffe said Sonia quote looked like a fucking horse
2: but that seems to be a brother thing
1: that seems to be a brother because the brother because Mick used to fucking just pick at Peter yeah, I just don't pick like at this Mick pick guy pick so far
0: him. he's just got a quiet girlfriend he's a quiet guy who has a strange fascination with
2: VD including his own but, for the most part it's just it seems like these are it seems like this is the match for him well, it's going to blossom, and I think that's very similar we talk well i, I get a lot of brutos vibes from mm, yeah. uh from S- Sutcliffe, so mm. the wife the in his arrangement, creating the veneer of a normal family man will allow the other side of him to mm. develop further I like see. in a strange way there's something about creating this kind of an umbrella of, of quote-unquote, like, look, I'm normal, I got a wife, I do all my shit, I would never be able to do all these other things, uh, and his, right. his brother was looking to destroy whatever it is that he had, because he didn't want him to feel good about a single thing that happened to him, and also Peter Sutcliffe then antagonistically chose Sonya. Because everybody was so down on her and talking about how she was gross and mean and stuck up and bad and they didn't like hanging out with her and he's just like well now i double like her because yeah, right. he is an antagonistic personality as well so just a very
0: immature version of of love and just like an immature version of like what what he thought reality should
1: be oh yeah and the she world and she didn't even really seem to like him that much but sony no. also never really liked anyone except her sister because when Peter told a story, you know, the, the way he told it, he was one of those guys that, like, he can't stop laughing at his own jokes. Like, he cracks himself up so much that he just laugh. never stops laughing. He would turn a five-minute story into a 20-minute ordeal.
2: I, I, listen, hey. Hey, all right, I got to get one for you, right? All right, listen, here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's too good. It's well, too what? good, buddy. Yeah, you're it's you're, it's you're trying to get a bit, wait. You got to hear this before you <laughs> go. a bit. Yeah. All right, buddy, listen. All right. <laughs> We'll just get on with it. I can't. I'm thinking about how you're going to be when I say this thing. No, I know. You're going to be all over it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what happened when Cinderella finally got to the ball? Uh, Listen <laughs> you know, here, you're going to love yeah. it. What happened when Cinderella, you remember?
0: Yeah, she went to the ball and she saw the She points. went to the ball and she <laughs> finally she got she did, to the ball, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, but,
2: but. What happened when Cinderella. <laughs> Only got to the ball Well she saw
0: the prince But then it turned to be No listen yeah. <laughs> You didn't
2: love it She gagged <laughs> oh,
0: I, oh I see the ball I... <laughs> That would take
1: 20 minutes <laughs> Worth it
0: Actually pretty good punchline overall Pretty good punchline overall Better than the wool conversation We were having
1: earlier But the only thing That would make him stop Was a scold And a glare from Sonia Because she hated it It's love I guess that's the, yeah, it's the yin and yang, baby. Then it was discovered in 1972 that Sonia was also schizophrenic in addition to being a wildly unpleasant person. Mm.
2: But this shit kind of came out of nowhere.
1: Yeah. Like, they kind of
2: had this kind of wishy-washy thing, and she was she was very paranoid and distrustful of people to begin with, but then her something clicked inside of her, which I guess it does emerge quite a bit in your mid-20s.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. She started bursting into violent fits of rage, convinced that she was the second coming of Christ, complete with stigmata. Really? Yeah. Huh. When Peter would visit her in the hospital, she thought he was an airplane and would screech shrill demands for, quote, a bigger teddy bear. Wait, she thought he was an airplane? Totally fucking lost her mind. Uh, Went Went way off the deep end.
0: But is that even normal? She thought he was a fucking airplane. <laughs> How what, did he walk in with? Did he make an airplane noise when he
1: walked in?
2: He didn't help because when he saw her at the hospital, he'd go, Time to open up the hangar. Uh-uh. And then <laughs> coming in. You know. It's ridiculous.
1: <laughs> but strangely, Peter stuck by Sonia every step of the way, showing extraordinary patience and care. Although this was probably, as Henry said, him laying the groundwork for a quote unquote normal life. Okay. But even though it seems like Sonia was not the type of woman who could hook two men at once, she still stepped out on Peter in 1969. I go and I found myself a bus to fuck. <laughs> 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 that is just another man. That year, Mick saw Sonia riding around in a sports car with a mysterious Italian man. <laughs> and of course, Mick mercilessly made fun of his brother for it. He's a chef. His name is Boyardi.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and he is what, he is a brilliant man, and his mustache tickles me downstairs. Wow,
0: <laughs> I feel like if I was going to be a fake name, I would Ricardo Marlboro. <laughs> That's, That's what actually a
2: cool yeah. fake name. Yeah.
1: That's actually pretty good. I like that. Yeah, it's kind of cool. What about a, what about like Ricardo Marlboro Jr.?
2: <laughs> I like that. You come from a long family. I don't fucking <laughs> like my dad. I don't like my dad. <laughs> Aren't you a junior, Thomas? Henry Thomas Jr.? I am Henry Thomas Dobrowski Jr., yes.
1: (laughs) Well, since Sonia was having her own affair, Peter decided to respond in kind. Although, as we know, he did not have the social skills necessary to just go pick up a woman in the bar.
0: Mm, uh Uh-oh, I see where this is going.
1: Yep. Instead, Sutcliffe decided to visit the girl soliciting on Lum and Manningham Lanes, <laughs> which was the popular spot in Bradford when it came to a paid sexual encounter.
0: Now, if you want to go down and find one of the largest sex workers in all of Yorkshire, you're going to want to check out Lum. <laughs> yeah, it's a street that sounds like Come it's got cancer. Come on down to
2: Lum. There's only one, one woman left. And that's me. They call me the Lum woman. I love you, Lum woman. And I'm 500 pounds of please. Four pounds, 400 pounds of tug. And suck. <laughs>
0: That's great. I love all the ladies at Lum. They've got great breasts, butts, and phlegm.
1: (laughs) Unfortunately, though, this visit would have dire consequences.
2: And this showed if shit was just legal, if sex work was legal, I think that this is the way to go about it. I don't know how you could navigate this within your own relationship parameters, but it's actually better if, you know, I mean, this is bad to say this, but if you're going to step outside it'd be better to have it with a professional so all of a sudden that person doesn't have a bunch of evidence that you're cheating on them and it's Mm going to destroy your whole life did you feel the psychic vice grip
0: on your testicles as you were saying that sentence from your wife (laughs) I'm happily married Uh say it five times in the mirror otherwise it's not true
2: I'm incredibly happily married and my balls are empty thanks to my beautiful wife
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, we don't need to know about all that
1: (laughs) One night, Peter drove to Manningham Lane and picked up a woman after confirming what business she was about. Oh, so you're not in the shrimp sales, huh? <laughs> I thought this might have been a shrimp uh, exchange. Never mind. <laughs> but, as Peter said, he couldn't do it after realizing, quote, what a coarse and vulgar person she was. <sighs>
0: All right. So he also has. Is this the beginning of seeing them as lesser and seeing them as like. Oh, yeah. Like, okay. Oh, so yes. he's going down that. He's going kind of like a Gary Ridgeway.
2: He is, in my mind, incredibly attracted to sex workers in general. Yeah. And what you were saying before, where it's like. He is sexually engaged, which is a which is a function of this of this relationship, of the paying for it. Ac- or the I thought he was, mm-hmm. right? And he sees these women of the night, the view of them, he views them as just totally available, and that they should be so lucky to get to sleep with him, blah blah blah. These kind of views. They get into his car. He starts to have the reality of it come in as she begins to say, This costs money. This is what we're going to do. She begins the negotiations. Right. And that's when a switch turns on in his brain of like he had some magical shit fuck nerd idea that she was going to come in the car and I guess like blow him for free. Thinking that all of this was going to be like some kind of like she would look at his hair and be like, oh, I want to see if the curtains match the drapes. And then like (laughs) see if she opens up his fucking pants and see if his bush is fucking two feet high.
0: Right. Full <laughs> but of that's not how it goes. <laughs> now, it's interesting. A lot of people, like, it's the equivalent of saying you read Playboy for the articles. Yeah. It's the same thing as being like, I go to sex workers for the conversation. <laughs> I don't even look at People sexually. do
2: that, though. But you got to pay them
1: you
0: you the
2: still have,
1: Yes, you still have to pay. Well, he thought it was going to be this grand romantic encounter. Uh, and it ended up being a very mechanical type of transaction. Mm-hmm. And even so, he still made it back to her place and got to the point where the unnamed woman was naked. She said it was a fiver for sex, but all Peter had on him was a 10-pound note. She claimed to not have change. I mean,
2: so, you're fucking. What do you think? You you think she's do have a fucking, she is nude. Do you think she has one of those coin belts <laughs> on her? No. Uh, yes. She pull doesn't my finger. Pull,
0: pull my finger, and a couple of coins pop out.
2: That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> See, and that's going to cost you ten. Also, For me to do my old five a bit, you're going to have to give me ten.
0: Just a little. I,
2: they're never going to have change. <laughs> never going to have change.
1: <laughs> so, you never ask, can you break this hundred? Um, can you imagine that? Because believe or not, they can't. And they're going to keep that hundred. So she got dressed and went to the garage across the street while Peter waited in his car. But suddenly, two men appeared from the garage and started banging on Peter's roof, telling him to fuck off. The scam was in. So Peter sped away humiliated and outraged more because he wasn't able to get back at Sonia for her dalliance with the Italian man than for losing the fiver to a wily lady of the night.
2: So he just
0: went back like harumph like oh yeah oh my goodness.
1: Well
2: and then also you know fully blue balled in all experiences and he doesn't understand because he's a fucking shithead. Right. that, That yes this yeah he got scammed but also you know he didn't do it right
1: yeah 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 Adding to this humiliation was the fact that Peter had left his new industrial job early that night to have this experience. And because of his negligence, several of his coworkers almost died because Peter wasn't there to do his job.
2: Hmm. It it was like a it was a big ol' fuck up. Yeah. And so he did everything bad. He's not a bright human being. He was a very you know, you know yeah. what we've said.
1: Of course. Then, a few days later, Peter saw the woman who'd stiffed him, and so he asked for his money back.
0: I mean, I think the problem was she, she didn't stiff him. <laughs> <laughs> New York Times bestselling
1: authors. <laughs> Instead of, That's about pegging. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got it, you got it. Instead of giving him the money back, she started telling everyone on the street about how the boy wanted a refund, and the whole goddamn neighborhood had a good laugh at Peter's expense. Because so, it's
0: ridiculous.
1: It's stupid. I mean, it, but it's humiliation on top of humiliation on top of humiliation. And at every point, it is his fault. It's but not a, he's blaming everybody else for
0: it. It's not a Kinkos. She didn't print the paper wrong. <laughs> it, it's a sex worker. You're not going to get a refund.
2: She tried to fuck you. She would have still fucked you despite your head, despite what your fucking dick smells like. She would have still had sex with you. But he didn't want to deal with it because it came down It came down to these kind of Robert Hansen Ask little butt baby Mm freakouts, where because these are not that big of humiliations either. No, you fucked up on your own job, and then you fucked up uh, dealing with a sex worker, and so you are entirely at fault. But of course, he Elliot Rogers it, so everything is everybody else. I can see,
0: I can see myself at the bar with a buddy as he walks in, be like, "I demand a refund," and we'll just be like. (laughs) Hey, Teresa, that guy's trying to get some money off you, huh? You, you fuck him
2: up? y'all you know? was like, yeah, I fucked him up, of course I did. He's like, that guy is one of the dumbest people I've ever seen in my life. It's like, oh, it'd be weird to meet someone who's like, oh, you want a refund? No, don't worry about it. Let me just shit all that cum out. <laughs> <laughs> Scrape it up. There you go. And he's like, thank you. And oh, thank you very much for giving me my babies, Mick. And then his fucking cock would eat up the semen like it was a dog eating a bunch of farmers farmer's dog mm. oh, I love <laughs> <him>. incredible well he made artisanal meals for your dog
0: <laughs> it's food so good your children will want to eat it because you're not taking care of them
1: <laughs> well peter did what men of his ilk often do he turned the humiliation and anger he felt toward one woman into hatred for all women who did sex work hmm. although his first violent act towards a woman would be focused on the perpetrator of his first humiliation Not too long after the incident on the street, Peter was parked in his car with his friend Trevor Birdsell, eating fish and chips after a night out at the pub. Mm. Just smell that car. (laughs) Just hammering (laughs) fish and chips in 1968 or something. What is this, the 70s? This is is 69. (laughs) From what Trevor said, Peter was eating when suddenly his demeanor changed and he slipped out of the car. Ten minutes later, Peter returned out of breath and told Birdzell to drive away as fast as he could. Once they were away, Peter said he saw the woman who'd scammed him, so he followed her and hit her in the head with a piece of brick stuffed into a sock. So Peter Sutcliffe actually talked about this move quite often.
2: Cause mm. he would, he had his like. At this point, he built a little bit of a group of boys that kind of, sort of, put up with and listened and sort of laughed at his stories. Because mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. used to tell them all the time, "I fuck them all the time. I fuck these girls all the time, and they never make me pay," which was never true. Like right. he, he never did that once. But and then he also brought up several times, like, "You don't have a need. You ever need a quick old wacky mop." You go in there, and you fucking put it up, and you you take your fucking... You get a sock, and you put it in your pocket, and you can put up a rock and put it in things. So he was obsessed with this little weapon.
0: Yeah. Okay, so he was a bit of a man about town, in in his own weird
1: world. In his own weird weird world, yes. Now, the woman was rattled, but relatively unscathed, considering what Peter would work his way up to. Mm. And she'd written down the registration on Birdzell's car as the two men had driven away. Eventually, the assault was traced to Peter, and the cops gave him a stern talking to. Oh, a stern! Yep. Oh,
2: oh my God, stern speaking with. That's very embarrassing. Because think about how embarrassing a stern talking to a police officer is versus all of Yorkshire going <laughs> 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 all you just imagining them all laughing at you again and again and again. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But nothing more happened. They just gave him a ster- stern talking to. Don't do it again. He beat a woman with a brick and a sock. Yeah.
0: And it's a stern talking to?
1: That's a stern talking okay. to, yep. Okay, maybe a little bit more
0: heightened than that. Well,
2: it's because we're seeing the very beginnings of how they view the sex worker and how they view right. the serious of, the, how serious those crimes are towards them.
0: Yes, yeah. absolutely.
1: Later that year, Peter had another run-in with the police when he was found crouching in the garden in the middle of the night, clutching a hammer. And of course, he was charged with the very interesting crime of just not gardening. <laughs>
2: It's not that I'm not guardian, but I'm thinking about flowers. <laughs> Did that work? Well. I can't. I turned a force, Gump, for no <laughs> w- reason. Yeah,
0: time for another stern talking to. <laughs> uh, I'm going to get Detective Ventura over here to speak to you with his butt. Ah, oh, New York Times
2: best-selling authors.
1: <laughs> well, three years after that. It's thought that Peter Sutcliffe may have attempted his first murder, although Peter himself never fessed up to it.
0: So we have a 3 years after the first assault of the sex worker. Yeah. That's a pretty stew- long
1: he was just stewing. Th- this happens it's it, it's different for every serial killer, but Peter Sutcliffe is it's pretty common where the they give themselves allowances and they just slowly work their way up. To the murder, very few of the people that we've covered like start straight up with like big fucking horrible murder. Mm. And Peter Sutcliffe was those guy, one of those guys that just like it's just little by little by little.
2: Well, Ed Kemper, yeah. where you slow, you're you're visualizing what you're going to do, again and again and again. You sit and you think about it each time you do it. You start maybe fleshing out your own fantasy more and more. Maybe you start going talking more of the girls on the street because they said that he had a reputation. They knew him, so he was mm-hmm. around already. So he would come and he would chat up everybody and get into the world. And he started kind of feeling like, and maybe he had a little bit of good feelings a little bit where they started kind of like talking with him. But all in the back of his head, he knew each one of them was going to not give him change. And he (laughs) did not like it. So he slowly, it would flesh out. And then all it takes is the one step forward to physicalize the fantasy.
1: In 1972, a 19-year-old typist in Westgate said she was followed after she left the pub one night. Once she was in a secluded area, a stranger grabbed her from behind, punched her in the back of the head, and pushed her into a wall. But before things went from bad to worse, the attacker was chased away by a guard from a nearby prison. This wasn't necessarily Peter's M.O., but the woman said that when Peter Sutcliffe was caught, she was absolutely sure he was her attacker. Hmm. Although at the time, all she could say was that the assailant looked like Cat Stevens.
2: Well, if anybody was more specific looking than Peter Sutcliffe, besides Mr. Potato Head, (laughs) I don't know how... He, I don't know how he committed these crimes for as long as he did.
0: Yeah. I just feel bad for Cat Stevens. I mean, he's getting accused <laughs> of being this man. Who, it's, he, he couldn't travel after 9-11. No. And now it's not, he's not his
2: fucking being name per- anymore. He's not Cat Stevens anymore. Well, he changed he's like, he's the like, name. He's like, he's, like do- he's like Dog Billy now. Yusuf Islam. Oh, yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs>
0: Definitely not Dog Billy because I'm pretty sure he would be allowed well, with welcome arms after 9-11 if his name was Dog Billy.
1: <laughs> well, two years later... Peter may have escalated once more. That year, a 28-year-old woman named Gloria Wood was hit in the head with a hammer by a man who had a similar Cat Stevens look. Then, in 1975, a 14-year-old in Silsden said that she was attacked by a man who called himself Tony Jennis and when he rained blows on her head and face with a heavy object, he made a grunting sound similar to that of famous tennis player Jimmy Connors. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I looked up some Jimmy
2: Connors. And it is a lot of the uh, uh, tennis noises are weird, man.
0: Uh, Mr. Connors, I don't know if it's illegal what you're doing, but your opponent has said you're distracting him with sounds of orgasm. <laughs> Could you
2: please grunt like a man? Oh, you're right, you're right. I'll grunt like a man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like how men grunt.
2: Yeah, yeah, of course.
1: Now, these aren't confirmed Peter Sutcliffe cases, as the Cat Stevens look was apparently pretty popular in the UK in the early 70s.
0: Just, we, we can stop maligning Cat Stevens. <laughs> I'm not he maligning had some very Cat powerful Stevens.
1: songs. There's plenty of people with cats. I mean, Cat, the Cat Stevens look was just the Cat Stevens look. Bearded, bush, big bushy beard. Yeah, but with the soft spot for his father. You <laughs> <laughs> not understanding, Cat? He wasn't
2: there. He was always working, because I, <laughs> I know.
1: What is confirmed, however is that Peter Sutcliffe's criminal M.O. was established in 1975. Now, by 1975, Peter Sutcliffe had already been married to Sonia Zerma for a year, and the two of them were living under the roof of Sonia's parents. But neither the family nor Sonia would ever suspect that Peter was the infamous Yorkshire Ripper. (sighs) That summer, Peter attacked two women named Anna Rogulski and Olive Smelt. With Anna... Peter followed her for days, running off every time she noticed the man with the, quote, racing eyes and dainty hands. Hmm.
2: Some of us are just, we just look like that. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Damn. So he wasn't even,
2: I guess, he wasn't really good at this sneaking. No. Well, you'll see. He grows, he grows because it it becomes more and more attractive to him.
1: Mm. But on July 4th, 1975... Peter took his first real step into serial killing, smashing Anna's head three times with a ball-peen hammer (sighs) before he lifted her skirt and began slashing at her stomach. He was just about to plunge the knife into her flesh for the killing blow when a man down the street called out asking what was happening. Peter ran, but strangely, the man who called out didn't check on the woman lying on the ground. Rather, Anna wasn't discovered for another hour, and doctors worked on her in surgery for half a day to remove all the splinters of bone from her brain. She survived, but had no memory of what had happened. Damn. Five weeks later, Peter tried again with Olive Smelt, his first sex worker victim of many. That night, Peter and Trevor Birdsell were again out drinking, this time in Halifax. But as they were on their way back to Bradford, Peter suddenly got out of the car.
2: This seems to be one of his first triggering mechanisms, where I think that in my mind, I mean, this is totally fiction, but I imagine Peter and Trevor are hanging out, and Sutcliffe is running his mouth as always, and he is talking himself up about all the how he loves to fuck. Every single thing that he does, you know, like how the women love him and how no one will respect him because he go, basically this is his he's acting like the guy. And then that night, he I th- think in a weird way, it almost starts us of a way to like show off for his friends. Yeah,
1: right. Well, Peter had spotted a woman turning down an alleyway. So he slipped out of the car somehow carrying a hammer and a hacksaw without birds seeing it. And he, These friends seem a little
0: bit like blinders on. Yeah, dude. Come on.
1: And so Sutcliffe followed Olive Smelt into the darkness. And after mumbling some pleasantries about the weather, Sutcliffe struck her twice in the back of the head with the hammer before dragging the hacksaw blade across the small of her back. Olive's life was only saved by approaching headlights. And when Peter got back to the car, he said nothing to Trevor and Birdsall saw the news of the attack the next day he knew that Peter Sutcliffe had done it oh he did know he knew but he said oh, nothing. He, he said nothing he said out of loyalty to his friend
2: <sighs> I mean this is where the loyalty I love my I love my boys I love my boys but this is where the loyalty I think would stop for me i know that I mean, you, you can have, still talk like, to him in prison but you gotta put him behind yeah, bars I'll hang out man I'll, I'll support during the trial and mean like i should have stopped you huh like, i would do some of that but i also would be like you'd be like i think you stepped too far you, uh, my whole thing go. is that if you call like one of you murder somebody you know the protocol i just need an explanation that I can apply to my own brain. Sure, right? sure. So that well, I can um, help you hide a body if I have to. She, I'd help said, you hide she body. said
0: that Dune was for fat nerds. And um, <laughs> I, I said, no, no. My Where's friend- the body? Yeah. Let, Let me see her. <laughs> no,
2: I'm not going to. No, that is not excusable. It has to be something like, that was my corn that she ate.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. so he is, like, getting validation, not just from the cops who give him a stern talking to, yep. but from his friends who are like, oh, this is, again, another reminder of how sex workers have been demeaned through time mm-hmm. and why we need to have it up and in the daylight. Legalize it. Absolutely. Legalize it.
1: But because Birdsell said nothing, Peter Sutcliffe was successful in murder for the first of 13 times on October 29th, 1975. That night, Peter picked up Wilma McCann in the city of Leeds as she staggered home from a night of drinking. She got in his car and asked if he wanted some business, and he replied that he did. So they drove to a field and parked. They talked for a minute, but her tone suddenly changed, pretty much saying, let's get on with it.
2: Yeah, if we're doing this, let's do this. Yeah.
1: Now Peter said, when he couldn't get aroused immediately... McCann called him useless and said she didn't have all fucking day, which, of course, brought Peter's rage to the forefront.
0: You got one job (laughs) for utility. The the penis is a utility tool.
2: I thought
1: you were horny enough to fuck
2: me and you just saw me on the side of the street. So, like, I got to get back to my rags and this is the UK so she's got to go and make her she got to knit rags and she's got to go and and buff the floor of a castle there's so many jobs (laughs) for a a nighttime person then
1: Uh, Peter suggested that maybe they'd have better luck trying it out on the grass so McCann exasperatedly complied and got out of the car while her back was turned Peter grabbed his hammer from his back seat by the time he got to the spot McCann had chosen She'd already started undoing her pants, saying, let's get this over with. Peter said, don't worry, I will, and struck her hard in the head with the hammer twice. She fell flat on her back and made a loud, horrible gurgling noise, and her arm began to move up and down voluntarily from the blow to the head. So Sutcliffe walked back to the car, grabbed a knife, and stabbed her over and over again in a blind panic, making certain that Wilma McCann would never tell a soul what he'd done.
2: Now, we know that he is a process and product killers. He is a process killer. Mm-hmm. So his, what he would do is... This one, I think you could see that he panicked and stabbed her and stabbed her and stabbed her. Mm. But obviously, he was getting something out of it as well. And they said that they probably... You can imagine the sexual act was him stabbing her and stabbing her and he probably they, they said most times he would then masturbate over the corpse oh he did to, that stuff to get it out that's how uh. he would finally finish it right that's how it would, but the end but then it would be like out of his system right then he'd be gone and that's and that's the difference
1: four months later in january peter sutcliffe came across emily jackson jackson was also in sex work and Sutcliffe claimed that it was the smell of her cheap perfume that made him decide to commit murder that night.
0: She's not wearing the good stuff for a John.
2: <laughs> she's yeah, I, she's <laughs> not going to waste the good stuff on your fucking no. ass? And You are, you know. Of course. Like, I, I hate these types of
1: dudes because you could have just had sex. Yeah. Sutcliffe picked her up at about 7 p.m., parked behind some derelict industrial buildings in the city center, and pretended his car was broken down. He asked her if she could help him pop the hood. And as she looked at the engine with a cigarette lighter, Sutcliffe struck her twice in the back of the head with his hammer. He then dragged the body into a trash-filled yard and stabbed Jackson 52 times with a Phillips head screwdriver before picking up a piece of wood, which he thrust between her legs as a strange and pathetic gesture of disgust for Jackson's lifestyle.
2: Now, this is where he hones in. And discovers what he really likes. He likes the multiple, very, because what do you know when somebody's uh-huh. been stabbed more than once? This is a rage crime. This right. is somebody who's doing this again and again, because this takes some fucking, it takes some energy. Yeah, and a it's exactly screwdriver? the same. He immediately adopted an MO, which is, it, it's, it became very ritualistic. Because the first time he killed with a hammer, used a hammer, the hammer was accidental. And then it became an immediate, almost kind of, like this is this is what I do. Like no. I adopt the these things. These are my tools and I, I and I'm not certain why.
1: I really don't know why he chose the ha- I think he just chose the hammer in particular. It's a it is definitely an instrument of rage. It works it like is. like when you, when you are hitting someone in the head with a hammer like that that is a mu- like that takes a lot of rage to fucking do that. And I guess that.
0: it also kind of hides in plain sight. People have hammers in their car. Yeah. It's just a hammer.
2: That's true. It's not a big fucking butcher's knife. It's not a gun. And he already works in, like he works in vaguely kind of a, like, you know, there's hammers around. Yeah, I feel
0: like every guy until 1995 Four just had a hammer because your father would just buy you a tool kit and for some reason you had to keep it in your car and it never I never, you never opened it ever yeah
2: I only have a hammer because for a while Adult Swim was giving Christmas gifts yes. in the shapes of tools yes, and I literally I have, have an, an Adult Swim hammer that has just become
1: my hammer which I,
2: I had tried to use and I, it's a it's more of a
1: prop I use my Adult Swim hammer all the time <laughs> it's not exactly great it's but a great hammer all right. it's a good hammer it's a, good, it's a useful hammer sure sure After the murder, Sutcliffe returned to his in-law's house without a drop of blood on his clothes, filled with a sense of satisfaction and justification for what he believed he'd accomplished. Mm. Now, Sonia spent Wednesday and Saturday nights working at a nursing home with her mother, and they never returned until the next morning, which gave Peter ample time to prowl the streets of Bradford two nights a week. Looking for another victim. Mm.
2: And she'd come home and see him sleep until 4 p.m. and she's like, he works so hard, <laughs> thinking that he was been working all night and that's why he's
1: tired. Right. His next was Marcella Claxton, attacked just a few months after Emily Jackson, but Claxton survived. The problem was that Claxton had an IQ around 50, mm, okay. and the police did not believe her when she reported the crime. Mm. But still, her survival spooked Peter enough where he didn't try again until the following year. In February of 1977, he picked up Irene Richardson and drove her to almost the same spot where he'd killed Wilma McCann. And strangely, Gordon Byrne, the author of Somebody's Husband, Somebody's Son, made sure to point out that this spot was only a short distance from the home of infamous pedophile Jimmy Savile.
2: Yeah, and he's just out there watching, jerking off, having a great time. His house is Christmas themed, 24 (laughs) hours a day, 365 a week. So that was probably also very creepy. That was probably creepy for Peter Sutcliffe. (laughs) Honestly, that is
0: disgusting. Jimmy Savile,
2: would we ever cover him? Maybe. It is nasty. My goal is to cover him, but it's going to be a couple of juicy ones. It is nasty.
1: It's difficult. Yeah. But in any case, once they arrived at their destination, Irene got out of the car to urinate as she was crouched uh, Sut-
0: you're going to want to use that tombstone over there <laughs> I have seen so many people take peas on that tombstone
1: as she was crouched Sutcliffe took his hammer and struck her so severely that according to forensics Sutcliffe had to lever out the tool to get clear of the bone Ugh. he then slashed her throat leaving a gaping wound and tore a 7 inch gash on the left side of the abdomen causing the intestines to spill out on the ground Rolling her over, Sutcliffe then arranged the corpse. He stuffed her pants and tights into her knee-high boots and draped them across the back of her thighs and covered the spilled intestines with leaves and twigs before driving away, leaving the corpse to be found the next morning by what else but a jogger.
0: I thought you were going to say Jimmy (laughs) Savile. No, So he's getting, like, kind of Titus with it. He's, like, trying to
1: make art. Is that is, is that what he's doing here? What he, what he's trying to do it's it's kind of, it's the same thing as Jack the Ripper where he's arranging the body to to freak out whoever finds it. Right. Whoever well, he wants cuz he wants to traumatize someone again and then traumatize them again when like the cops have to come in. Right.
2: With the first cuts, the ravaging of the corpse comes from that's him getting off. To in my mind it is an instinctual Fucking like stab 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 full on total destruction of the corpse. Pause. You just shoot. You come. Right? You you all the things thing happen. The fucking that that sort of flurry of activity clears and then it's like, all right, now it's time for something completely different to take right. something from Monty
1: Python. Well it was with this murder that the press finally began to get involved printing sensationalistic headlines like Jack the Ripper Murder Horror and Ripper Hunted and Call Girl Murders.
0: So he got everything that he wanted. Why is it that the media This is why we do a good job you not to pat ourselves on the back. But like we should call this guy like like the the leaky turd killer. I don't know what to call him but just like don't
2: call him something that makes him seem like Fucking Jack the Ripper's, you know, crazy demonic son. Mm-hmm. They gotta sell news. They gotta sell them papes because yeah. they're not those newsboys. Could turn into fucking dog food for the king's rottweilers. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably true.
1: And it was also with this murder that the police began their complete and total bungling of the entire investigation from beginning to end. See, when it comes to a murder investigation, it's important to keep an open mind, especially when it comes to serial murders. But the police in this situation seemed hell-bent on narrowing their field of vision as much as possible from the very beginning. Mm. I suppose, I mean, I know the instinct is to find the perpetrator as soon as possible, and the more you narrow it, it, things down, the faster you're going to find them. But they completely fucked it up.
0: Mm. I, thought you, I thought you were going to say when it comes to the cops keeping an open mind, they were fine with transgender bathrooms. <laughs> but apparently that's not
1: Aww, the case. Here. Back in the day. Yeah. Now, when they began looking for a motive for the murders of Wilma McCann, Emily Jackson, and Irene Richardson, they chose hatred of prostitutes as the number one factor. Okay. Now, this was the right call. Yeah. But they used the information in all the wrong ways. (sighs) And thinking about it so narrowly, they only looked at previous attacks where the victim survived involving sex workers. And if you'll remember, none of Peter Sutcliffe's surviving victims who had seen his face were in sex work, mm. which meant that the cops completely overlooked the Cat Stevens character who'd showed up again and again in previous local attacks. They could have seen a pattern, but they didn't. They also, I'm going to say straight up, weaponized
2: their ignorance with certain like witness testimony. Like Marcella Claxton. Marcella was a little bit they think that she might have been a bit mentally handicapped and so they immediately did not believe anything that she said they're like well you don't know what's what you're talking right and then they said several things to anybody that there there was something about but when you see several times like cat stevens killed me and we (laughs) don't even we're not even gonna talk to cat stevens once i don't think we need to bother
0: cat stevens (laughs) he is busy singing to a group of kids in Portland. He is that killing a bunch of sex workers in the UK. Well,
1: Marcella, she was also taken out of the pile because she hadn't been attacked with a knife, even though she had been attacked with a hammer. And as far... Because as far as the cops were concerned, if a knife wasn't involved... It wasn't a Yorkshire Ripper case.
0: Yeah, it's a little that's a little narrow.
1: Well,
2: you know, the only thing is to be fair, they had very little knowledge about the idea of serial murder and the idea of escalation. And so they were just trying again, they were just trying to wrap this shit up, being like we just need to get this whole thing. He's trying to kill prostitutes, we gotta get him and they because they are just fucking
1: I don't know, man. It's fucking Yorkshire. I don't
2: know. They're fucking they they, they ran out of puddings. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, it was around this time that Peter got a job as a truck driver working for an engineering transport firm called T&WH Clark. Hmm. There, his co-workers found him odd because he kept all his truck pornography neat and tidy, instead of plastering the walls of his truck cabin with centerfolds like everyone else did. That's why they, they thought, thought he was weird.
2: I mean, Yeah, they thought he was being like some fancy asshole. <laughs> I just feel like
0: this is not just an indictment on Sucliffe. The whole town. So we got, most people are like, "Me, he's kind of weird. He doesn't take a shit on graves at all. And then this guy's like, he doesn't even come on the paper on the walls. He keeps it in the little thing called example, a magazine. You're supposed to be
2: coming on the paper, because then you can crample it up, and you can come right in and brain but he uh but he was so happy to become a truck driver because his whole thing was that look at how big my truck is yeah. yeah like he loved cars so much that finally he's a part of this he has this 250 pound two hundred pound like the money worth fucking 18 wheeler and he he's like that's it, right. put that in the vagina a bit you know, he he a, just loves his
0: big old truck. Mm-hmm. There was a time where being a trucker was the coolest job you could have. Over the top. Yeah, we got a great
1: big convoy.
0: Absolutely, we got a convoy <laughs> across
1: the USA. Yeah, <laughs> we know. <laughs> Meanwhile, sex workers in Leeds were starting to work in pairs, with some leaving the area altogether for nearby Manchester or down south to London. Tina Atkinson, however, took no such precautions. On April 23rd, 1977, she was drunk, banging on the roofs of cars and shouting, fuck off when people drive away. Oh, she's having fun. Yeah, she's looking for business. Okay. Yeah. Now, as Tina was banging on car roofs, she came across the vehicle of Peter Sutcliffe, and they soon ended up back at her apartment. She got on the bed, and Peter hit her four times with a hammer, knocking her to the floor. He then pulled her back up to the bed and clawed her exposed torso with a hammer before stabbing her in the stomach and covering up as much of her blood as he could with her bed sheets. And as he was driving off, he threw the hammer out of his car window. Oh. But instead of ending up in the hands of the police... The hammer was used by a local groundskeeper as a regular part of his tool set for the next three years.
0: There is no such thing as a free lunch
1: or free hammer, so (laughs) please. But it was with Sutcliffe's next victim that he would bring the attention of the entire country to Leeds. On June 26, 1977, the Yorkshire Ripper claimed a 16-year-old shop clerk named Jane McDonald.
2: Which, of course, is exactly why people start paying attention to it as soon as you start killing what they view as an innocent.
1: Well, that night, Peter had gone to a gay bar called The Dog and the Pound with a couple of friends. Now, what's gay about that? Now? <laughs> <laughs> but Peter had left in a huff after refusing to buy a round when it was his turn. Which, when it comes to fucking going out and drinking with the British, that's fucking Cardinal Sen right there. Yeah, of yes. course it is. What's wrong with this guy? At 2 a.m., as he was driving home, he saw Jane walking down the street. Assuming she was a lady of the night, Sutcliffe parked his car, grabbed his hammer and knife, and got out, following McDonald along Chapeltown Road. Once he got close, he struck her in the head and dragged her to a nearby playground. Once they were off the road, he hit her two more times, then pulled up her shirt and stabbed her in the chest and back, stabbing one wound in particular as many as 20 times over and over again.
2: This is with the knife or the screwdriver? Is knife. He's moved knife.
1: on to oh. a knife. Well, Good Lord. And
2: then what he would do was the the weirdest, the, the thing that was highly specific to him where he would he would make a stab wound and then stick the knife back into the same wound and stab in multiple uh, different directions inside of one wound, making oh. it bigger and bigger. And it's nothing could be more of an, of straight up mimicking of the sexual act mm. than that like it's okay. the psychology is so on top of it which showed how not in touch he was to his own feelings that it was like happening instinctually with his hands he was literally just guided by his cock and what it would do for him
1: then he took a broken bottle with the screw top still attached and embedded it in her chest before laying the body on its stomach and walking away, ensuring that whoever turned it over would be faced with just one more brutal discovery. Mm. And with Jane McDonald, the murder investigation went into high gear. Although, as we'll see on next week's episode, the Shit Squad would well and truly live up to their name.
0: Damn, all right, Peter Suckliff. Sucliff? What a... Man, this dude is... An intri- there's slight differences with this story yeah. than with pr- a previous serial killers we've covered.
2: No, he is a he's a real fucking piece of shit. This guy. Yeah. I, mean, I don't well, want to be. I, I don't want to step out of. School I know. Here. <laughs> I know. Of course, um, he's a real piece of shit. And then next week we're gonna hear some more details about him that are. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know how to put it. Some of it's uh, shocking,
1: interesting, and unique. The, some of the details that we know about Peter Sutcliffe, it really makes me wonder the sort of personal details about serial killers that homicide investigators have held back over the years. Mm. Because we find out, and that we're going to find out in the next episode, like one of the most bizarre details I've ever heard about a serial killer. Uh, And it was something that the police held back. They just didn't tell anybody because it wasn't necessary to getting Peter Sutcliffe uh, in prison. So they held it back. and really makes me wonder how many of these little facts uh, that we will never know all uh, right. actually exist.
0: Well, that'll be on next week's episode of the Yorkshire Ripper. Yorkshire. Yorkshire Ripper. Oh my God. Part two. <laughs> Indeed. Um, thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the last podcast on the left. And thank you all so much for the unbelievable response to the last book on the left. You guys have been so sweet. Thank you for sitting all the pictures on Instagram. Um, I hope you guys are enjoying it. There's some little bit of laughter in there and there's a whole bunch of unbelievable information. So thank you all so much for supporting us honestly to be on the New York Times bestseller list and the Washington Post bestseller list. And Toronto Star. And the Toronto Star. (laughs) Uh, It's really unbelievable and it's a labor of love and so congratulations to Marcus as well. Thank you. Obviously all that hard work paid off and it's hard to be an author because you don't get the immediate gratification. And so it's... It's an interesting time, but just as Drew McIntyre won the uh, WWE Championship without a crowd, so did
1: we. (laughs) <laughs> write a book
2: and have it thank you for bringing <laughs> it back to wrestling it's so
1: fucking great like <laughs> it, d- hitting hitting the uh, New York Times bestseller list much less the top three is a what, uh, something I believe to be a fucking unattainable goal for oh my, it's many many fucking years so it's it's, absolutely yeah, thank you so much for everybody for for buying the book and thank you for continuing to buy the book if you if you want to yes. yeah if you want to get your own Please. copy see what all the fuss is about go to indiebound.org uh, and uh, you know get get your own copy and, yeah. and thank you so much for everyone who's, who's read it and has given us all the fucking kind words It really was a gigantic labor of love so absolutely uh, to, get, to, to get something positive back uh, really means a lot makes it all worth it it's nice so to so do be that shit pick up yes. get
2: book indiebound.com help again from your local bookstore I just bought some books through indiebound.com um, for our uh, next couple series we have coming up so Yay. I've been trying to support my local bookseller also y'all we got some special delights coming your way yes. uh, check out lastpodcastmerch.com Buy our, all of the sizes are restocked. We got new ladies' sizes on there. We got all that kind of shit. Yep. Get up in there, and we're still giving 6.66% to one fair wage of all sales to be, just to do whatever we can for people whose jobs have been deleted by this um, invisible enemy.
0: Absolutely, and of course, this is a an awakening moment to realize the real people that keep this country together. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of you folks out there right now uh, going through a hard time. We're with you. Uh, We wish you the best. And, uh, you know, again, we don't know what the future is going to hold as far as uh, even our tour. We don't know. We're just right now we're, we're, we're just hearing it the same way you're all hearing it. So we're yep. gonna, we're right now. We're we're still we're planning on August, and we we're hoping for the best. And um, so we'll just keep who on. knows
2: what the fuck's gonna happen with all this fucking horseshit. And it's, I tell you what, if I could get a crossbow and shoot this fucking virus on the forehead, I would. But the government <laughs> won't yeah. allow me, and they won't show me where it's being held because yeah. I wish for a fucking fact, I would choke this virus to death in its fucking sleep if I yeah. could.
0: Yeah, I know. For three control freaks, this is the easiest time ever. <laughs>
2: uh, uh, um, uh, all right, feeling uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> good. Uh, uh, all right, straw. we'll keep
0: on laughing. <laughs> otherwise, we'll start crying. All right. So, all right, everyone. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you so much for supporting us and Patreon and all the shows here. Kind of fun. Top hat. Uh, no dogs in space. Just got a great write up. Page seven. Uh, got a great write up in the Nerdist as long uh, as well as last podcast. So. Um, yeah, thank man. you,
2: Lord Malichi, for that, who is also a very yes. great poet. So thank yeah. you very much Aww, for, thank for you very writing much. that piece for us. It was so nice. Honestly, super cool. All right, everyone, hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Again. Let's do a Magoostalations. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to do a love now, buddy. And mm. hey, man, just make love to the sex worker. Yeah. Sure. sure. I don't know if Just they want that
0: either. I don't think you're supposed to really kiss them. That depends on the person. No, you can't. You
2: can get it. If you give them a... I think if you give them a tip, you can get a kiss.
1: There's a series oh. of rules that must be followed at all times. Yeah, you don't need to make love to the sex worker. Have sex with the sex Have worker. Fun. <laughs> Have but
2: fun. Have fun. But I like to
1: like go set home. an
2: atmosphere, make her laugh a little bit. I don't know how else you do that. You know what I mean?
0: You are like the, honestly, you're a sex worker's nightmare where they're just like, yeah, he just, uh, we didn't have sex. He told me jokes for five hours and I laughed. I gotta fucking, uh,
2: you know, I gotta, like, all I'm doing is running material at Wendy. Yeah, he actually
0: cost me four jobs. Usually we just have sex. It takes 25 minutes and I'm, and I go. But this guy was, uh,
2: either way, his new hey, special no, is going to be pretty this, funny. This? Does this work? Does this work? I got five minutes on, uh, uh, what happened to all the traffic? Oh, okay. Let's do something else. Uh, uh what happened to all the restaurants? Uh, huh? huh? That's really yeah, really- that's, uh. I can only fill up bread so much in my home alright that's not working you're out. <laughs> this show is made possible by listeners like you thanks to our ad sponsors you can support our shows by supporting them for more shows like the one you just listened to go to lastpodcastnetwork.com